Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office, at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Well, that sound you heard, that fun music you heard was not Eastern chant, as you are normally used to hearing on this program, Lay the East. It is the sound of Catholicism. That's right, Catholicism East and West in protest, being persecuted. That's right, the sounds of dancing in the street, the sounds of color, the sounds of laughter, yet, as we will hear, the sounds of very, very serious messages. One of my favorite modern writers and thinkers was G.K. Chesterton. One of the reasons he is my favorite is because he was actually, in his own way, very Eastern, because he emphasized the mystical. And he wrote this. This is in his book, Orthodoxy. He said, those countries in Europe that are still influenced by priests are exactly the countries where they were still singing and dancing and colored dresses and art and open air. Catholic doctrine and discipline may be walls, but they are walls of a playground. Christianity is the only frame that has preserved the pleasure of paganism. We might fancy some children playing on the flat grassy top of some tall island in the sea. So long as there was a wall around the cliff's edge, they could fling themselves into very frantic games and make the place the noisiest of nurseries. But the walls were knocked down, leaving the naked peril of the precipice. They did not fall over, but when their friends returned to them, they were huddled in terror in the center of the island, and their song had ceased. Well, as you heard the song at the beginning of the program today, it was a song, as I mentioned, of Catholics being persecuted and protesting. That's right. These sounds were taken from the recent Stand Up for Religious Freedom rally to stop the Obama HHS mandate. And this happened at Federal Plaza in Chicago. I happened to have been there. I was there at the first one as well. And the reason why this is significant is because what you were hearing were the sounds of Catholicism East and West, which translates into one word, life. You heard the sounds of life. I saw the sounds of life. I sensed the sounds of life amidst a church, both East and West, that currently is now being persecuted in its own particular way in the United States of America. For those of you who are not familiar with this protest, Stand Up Religious Freedom, I want to bring you up to date. Even though this program is Light of the East, we talk about the Eastern churches. The Eastern churches are not just a history lesson. The Eastern churches are relevant churches. They stand alongside our brethren in the Orthodox churches and also the Catholic churches in defending some of the most basic universal values of life, of humanity, of faith. These universal values are such that we all stand up for them, not just Catholics, but many others, as you'll hear in a moment. 
And for the Eastern churches, we know this kind of persecution all too well. And so it is we who should really be on the forefront of this. And while I was there at Federal Plaza during this protest, with all of the gaiety, and I mean that in the original form of the word, the gayness, in other words, the liveliness, the life, the joy, at the same time, discussing very serious issues and hearing very, very serious presentations by noted speakers. While I was there, I had many people come up to me and say, Father Tom, our pastor didn't even talk about this. We don't know anything about this at our parishes. I can't tell you how many people said that to me. And yet, what we're doing here is we're protesting what is the most egregious violation of the most cherished right of this country. That is the right to practice. Notice I said practice, not just worship, not only worship, but to practice our religion, our faith freely. It's called Stand Up for Religious Freedom, and it's about the health and human services mandate and how it violates religious freedom. See, what happened back in January, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, issued a mandate under the Affordable Care Act, which is also known as Obamacare, that requires all employer health plans to provide free contraceptives, sterilization, and abortion-inducing drugs, regardless of any moral or religious objections. Now, what this means is, The ramifications of this is the ministries of institutions like Catholic schools, hospitals, and charities, educating the young, caring for the sick, feeding the hungry, are not considered sufficiently religious to qualify for the mandate's narrow religious exemption. Not only will such institutions be forced to provide services that directly contradict the teachings of their faith, but more alarmingly, the federal government is claiming the right to decide for religious institutions what constitutes their ministry. Now, many people say, well, Why are we making such a big deal about this? And regrettably, it's Catholics who say this oftentimes. They say, why are we making a big deal about this? I mean, it's about contraception, right? I mean, most Catholics use contraception. Why is such a big deal? Why are you protesting in the streets? Well, the answer to that is no. Contraceptives are already widely available. Access to something does not mean having it paid for by someone else, especially against their moral convictions. So, yes, contraception and the life issues, abortion and so on, are at the heart of this, or the hinge pin of this, but they are not the issue, actually, as important as they are. This issue is a universal one. It's one that has to do with basic human right, and especially a right upon which this very country was founded. The HHS mandate doesn't stop with free contraceptives, by the way. It also requires employer health plans to provide free sterilizations and abortion-inducing drugs. And more importantly, The American idea of religious liberty is at stake. This isn't really about contraception. It's about the First Amendment. Now, you might say, and some do say, as we hear on the news, that, but President Obama worked out some kind of compromise with the church, especially the Catholic Church. Well, actually what happened in February, President Obama offered an accommodation whereby insurance providers rather than employers would pay for the services to which religious employers have moral objections. But this does not solve the problem. Because you see, at the end of the day, the Health and Human Services mandate still forces all employers to provide health plans with free contraceptives, sterilization, and abortion-inducing drugs, or they face crippling fines. Moreover, the assault on our cherished freedom of religion, with the federal government now defining for all of us what constitutes authentic religious ministry, continues on. Now, already there are some schools, some Catholic universities, in fact, who have dropped their insurance plan for their students because of this. It's little by little chipping away at the way in which we not just worship, but practice our faith. And whether East or West, the point of our faith is to transform culture. A lot of times we hear this resistance. People will say, well, 
You're trying to impose your religion on everyone else. That is not the case at all. However, the very heart of our faith is evangelization. In other words, it's care and love and concern for humanity. And so we, the church, both East and West, what we do is we support and propose, urge, cajole, invite, inform society, especially government, to do what is in accord with God's order of creation for the good of all humanity. And conversely, the church, East and West, cannot support, it cannot compromise at all on anything that it knows, it knows full well, is convinced, will hurt humanity. And this is what is at stake. This is why we stand up for religious freedom and rallies, and we do a lot of other things too, which we'll be getting to on our program today. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because, again, as I mentioned, first of all, as an Eastern Catholic, I know well from my heritage, my personal heritage, the danger, the dangerous path that America is headed on now. I have had relatives, my own family members, flesh and blood, have died, have shed blood in Eastern Europe under Soviet, communist, atheist persecution of the church. We know as an Eastern church, more than anyone, what is happening and what could happen, what we might find down the road very quickly, in fact, very quickly down the road. Furthermore, as we sit here this moment, and many of you have heard this on this program, this program of Light of the East, we are one of the exclusive sources for the persecution, the blood martyrdom that is happening and targeting largely Eastern Catholic churches in areas such as the Middle East and Africa and India. So as an Eastern Catholic, we know well and should be at the forefront of this. In fact, the very effort, Stand Up for Religious Freedom, which, by the way, you can find out about by going to StandUpForReligiousFreedom.com, StandUpForReligiousFreedom.com, that effort is being organized by, and I'm proud to say this, a man who is a Byzantine Catholic. His name is Eric Scheider. He's the president of the Pro-Life Action League, one of the most renowned and effective pro-life organizations in America. So the Eastern churches are on the forefront of this. We're the ones that should be the, the harbingers, the prophets about this, about the direction that we're going as a country. And that's why I'm talking about it today on this program that deals with the Eastern lung of the church. We are not a history lesson. We are a relevant church, and we are particularly relevant now in what is happening to us here in America and even beyond. Now, as I mentioned, there are universal principles here, not just so-called Catholic principles, although those are universal enough, just that the world doesn't see it that way. The universal principles are at stake here, which means that others have joined the Catholic Church, and we're going to hear from some of those others that spoke at this rally. We're going to hear their message, but we're also going to hear the sounds of what Catholic protest really is about. Even though we're persecuted, we still are all about life. Stay with us here. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, an Eastern Catholic priest and host of Light of the East Radio. As an Eastern Catholic, my spiritual and family heritage comes from Central Europe. 
a land that is all too familiar with religious persecution and assaults upon religious liberty. Precisely because of my spiritual and family background as an Eastern Catholic, it is with a certain credibility and urgency that I want to warn Americans of the danger of the recent Health and Human Services mandate forcing religious institutions to do something against their consciences. Far from being just a simple piece of a government-inspired healthcare plan, the Health and Human Services mandate springs from the same philosophies and worldviews that eventually led to the all-out persecution and assault on religious liberty in the areas of the world such as Eastern and Central Europe, Russia, and the Middle East. I'm asking all of you to contact your government representatives and to support the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in getting our government to rescind this unprecedented encroachment on religious liberty. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. People often ask me, what is the difference between an Eastern Catholic and a Latin Rite Catholic? Hello, I'm Father Thomas J. Loya with an Eastern Christian Moment. The difference between Eastern Catholicism and Roman or Western Catholicism is not a difference in belief, nor is it just a matter of different customs and traditions. Rather, it is a difference of theological emphasis, of seeing the same thing but from different vantage points, according to the respective genius of both lungs of the Church. For instance, in Western spirituality, there is an emphasis of man striving towards God and how the accomplishments of man point to the greatness of God. This emphasis became expressed in the tall verticality of Gothic church architecture and in works of famous artists and composers. In the East, the starting point is God's transcendence, which becomes imminent and incarnate. This emphasis became expressed in the domes, arches, and iconography of the Eastern churches. East and West may differ in emphasis, but they both arrive at the same place of the one true God. To find out more about the Eastern Long of the Church, go to easternchristianmedia.com. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. On this day in which we are standing up for religious freedom, we, of especially of the Eastern Catholic Churches, the Eastern Lung of the Church, that know religious persecution so well. We know its signs. We can smell it a mile away. And so it's time now to offer that gift of ourselves, of our heritage, of our experience, of our background as Eastern Catholics to the rest of the world, as we join many other people of many different faiths in standing up for religious freedom, which is being encroached upon by our government at this time. As I mentioned, these are universal values here. And so at the Stand Up for Religious Freedom rally, which happened recently across America, and I attended the one in downtown Chicago, we heard from people, as I mentioned, from other faiths. For instance, there was one representative from the Muslim faith. There are government officials in this country who want to stop us from building our mosques and stop us from governing our personal matters in accordance with our religious law. I am here because I object to these limitations on my free exercise and the free exercise of all Americans. As the Beckett Fund founder Seamus Hassan said, if everybody in America doesn't have religious liberty, nobody in America has religious liberty. And then there was Rabbi Leskowitz from the Jewish faith. I'm here today to speak to the most important fundamental principle that makes the United States unique, that of religious freedom for all. And of course, there were representatives from the Catholic faith. First among them was Francis Cardinal George, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Chicago, who had a very poignant message. Many thanks for your presence here. It is wonderful 
that so many of you have come to share the concern that drives so many others who recognize the danger and the challenge of this moment in our history. What is at stake is our relationship to God, which makes us who we are. God creates us and sustains us each moment of our lives. God loves us and invites us to share his life here and now and forever. Our relationship to God is set by God and by no one else. When a government interferes with our relationship to God, it makes itself into a church. The government usurps God's plan for our life with him and one another. Unfortunately, the United States government has interfered with our relationship to God in decreeing that it has the right to determine whether or not a public institution is religious. If a government can itself take the form of a religion, making judgments that are beyond its competence, then governmental power has no limits. In a democracy, the government should not play God. Make your voice heard to protect religious freedom and with it, all our freedoms. Thank you, and God bless you. But then, as our Lord Jesus Christ said, of the mouths of babes, let the children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. Listen to this little child and what she had to say. Because I think it's wrong to do this, and the government is not for the government, it's supposed to be for the people. If you have not heard what I have shared with you today on this program, or if you could not or did not know of the Stand Up Religious Freedom rallies, what can you do then? Perhaps you're asking that question. I hope you are. Well, this is what you can do. You can join the effort to stop the Health and Human Services mandate, which is a religious persecution. Plain and simple, it is. An encroachment on religious liberty. Here's what you can do. Get the facts by going to standupforreligiousfreedom.com. That's standupforreligiousfreedom.com. Call the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And ask your congressmen and both U.S. senators to support legislation overturning the Health and Human Services mandate. And vote. Vote for candidates who respect freedom of religion and freedom of conscience in the primary and general elections this year. Now notice, I'm not telling you who to vote for. Did not mention any names. And in fact, between now and November, there are still several months, there's still some time for those in our government who are perpetuating this persecution to have a change of heart. And see, that's another thing that we do as Catholics, East and West. We pray for for conversions. We may become angry. We have righteous anger, and we need that for motivation. But we do not hate. We do not wish bad upon someone. We wish that evil would stop or be eradicated. But those who are perpetrating something we believe is wrong, we try to dialogue with them. Above all, we pray for them. So we pray for them, and hopefully we can choose. There will be candidates who will respect the freedom of conscience. And also pray. That's right. Pray that the Health and Human Services mandate will be reversed and that God will continue to bless our nation. Again, the website is StandUpForReligiousFreedom.com. Now, there's another reason why the Eastern churches are on the forefront of this Stand Up For Religious Freedom. As I mentioned, we've known persecution and we know it currently, something that most of this country is, is unaware of. The media does not carry the egregious persecution of Christians that is happening in many parts of the world, especially in the Middle East. We carry it here in light of the East, of course. That's part of our mission, especially through the representatives from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. But there's something else that happened, another form of what I consider persecution, and something I have to respond to, and I did respond to as an Eastern Catholic. 
And I'm responding to it now in this program because some of you may have seen this article because it appeared in the Wall Street Journal. It was an article by an author named David Gibson in the Wall Street Journal, June 7, 2012. In that article, it's called, U.S. Bishops Still Stonewall on Sex Abuse. Ten years after the Dallas Charter, church leaders keep dodging accountability. So the article is taking the Catholic bishops to task, at least in the opinion of this author, that they are not being responsible or accountable for the sex abuse scandal, even after all this time. But there's something of particular interest to me, to us here in Light of the East, and also, therefore, for you who are listening. There was something of particular interest in this article, a particular paragraph. And he said in this paragraph, he said, Leaders of the six Eastern Rite dioceses in the United States have for a decade thumbed their noses at the Dallas Charter's mandatory audits of compliance. I'm going to read that again. This is author David Gibson, Wall Street Journal. Very prominent. That's why I cannot let this go unanswered. He said that the leaders of the six Eastern Rite dioceses in the U.S. have for a decade thumbed their noses at the Dallas Charter's mandatory audits of compliance. Now, that is a very, very weighty accusation. And here's my response. I sent it to Mr. Gibson on the blog for the Wall Street Journal. This is what I wrote. As an Eastern Catholic priest, I am responding to the statement in Mr. Gibson's article that leaders of the Sixth Eastern Rite Diocese in the U.S. have for years thumbed their noses at the Dallas Charter's mandatory audits of compliance. This statement is a very regrettable misrepresentation of the reality of the Eastern Catholic churches in America in respect to the Dallas Charter and the protection of children. First of all, the proper term for the Eastern Rite territorial jurisdictions is eparchy and not diocese, as is the case in the more well-known and larger Latin Rite of the Catholic Church. This nuance already begins to bring greater clarity to the issue. In America, the Eastern Rites of the Catholic Church are very small in comparison to the Latin Rite. Yet these Eastern Churches must cover immense territories in America, which is implied in the very meaning of the term eparchy. The Eastern Rite churches in America, being small and having to cover large territories, do not have the same structure or financial resources as Latin Rite dioceses. The Dallas Charter is designed primarily with the larger Latin Rite structures in mind. Inasmuch as they are able, the Eastern Rite churches in America have complied with the Charter, and in most cases to a fault. In fact, precisely because the Eastern Rite churches are so small, They are accorded by nature certain vigilance in regard to the protection of children that actually exceeds in its scrutiny the requirements of the Dallas Charter. Furthermore, most of the Eastern Rite churches in America are very much tied to their homelands in areas such as Africa, India, Middle East, Central, and Eastern Europe. Most Eastern Rite churches in America are in a sense a diaspora, and their laity and clergy have come to America fleeing a heinous and bloody persecution at the hands of Islamic extremists, which goes unreported in the media. Add to this the fact that our State Department has just recently purged the Religious Freedom Section from its human rights reports, thus creating a veritable news blackout of the blood martyrdom and persecution that the Eastern Catholic Churches exclusively are enduring in their homelands. Sheer survival is what preoccupies most Eastern Catholic Churches in America, yet these eparchies do comply with the Dallas Charter and even beyond in the ways that are unique to their size and capabilities. To present these small, struggling Eastern Catholic churches who are literally being exterminated in their homelands as thumbing their nose at the Dallas Charter amounts to a persecution of its own right in the very land to which these people have fled for religious liberty. I believe that Mr. Gibson the Wall Street Journal owe the Eastern Catholic churches an apology for how Eastern Catholic churches have been insensitively misrepresented by Mr. Gibson's article. In support of victims and in opposition to cover-ups in the Catholic Church, Mr. Gibson and the Wall Street Journal have made a victim of the Eastern Catholic churches in America who themselves are victims of the cover-up 
by our own government of the victimhood of the blood martyrdom of these churches. Mr. Gibson and the Wall Street Journal may want to consider being the only media source in America to honestly report this persecution of the Eastern Catholic churches. Then they might even laud instead of unfairly shame these churches who have complied with the Dallas Charter and beyond, despite having to deal with something that most Latin-right Catholics, and indeed most Americans, are not even aware, let alone have to endure. I want to thank you for listening, and I beg you, stand up for religious freedom. Go to standupforreligiousfreedom.com, standupforreligiousfreedom.com. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>